0: Hey, it's Dan Leach. Be sure to check out my podcast, the Detroit CityCast, presented by Bett Rivers. We dive into the betting angle for all the Detroit teams and the Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans as well. If you're from Detroit or a fan of any of the Detroit or college teams in the Michigan area and want to become a sharper better, this is the podcast for you. So please subscribe, follow, and listen to the Detroit CityCast on Apple Podcasts Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Detroit City Cast with Dan Leach, presented by Bet Rivers. And welcome in, Wild Wednesday, hump day. Lots to get to. I know the Lions are on a bye, so we got some fun stuff coming up on the Football Friday show about the rest of the Lions' schedule. But Michigan and Michigan State, both with games this weekend. I can't say Michigan's game is big. But Michigan State sure is, and a very interesting line that we'll get to when we, we run into the Motown betting window in a second here, presented by Bet Rivers. We also are going to talk about the college football playoff rankings, where Michigan State landed, where Michigan landed, where Michigan State isn't, in some other serious metric rankings that I respect that we've talked about on this show. And I, I do have something that I want to talk about with Cade Cunningham. I was at the Pistons game last night, had a great time, the game sucked, but... There's been some noise I'm hearing from some Pistons fans about Cade Cunningham. And I, I want to kind of tell you where I'm at with that. We'll get to that in just a bit. But let's take a look at that Motown betting window. It is presented to you by our great friends at Bet Rivers. And we'll start with Michigan State. This has been a, as we've talked about since the line came out on Sunday afternoon, a very interesting line. Now, it opened two and a half. It's up to three at Bet Rivers minus 112 for good old Sparty coming off their monumental win over Michigan, that brilliant comeback win that I got to be a part of and loved every moment of it until I didn't. And this is a Purdue team that is very interesting to me. They're they're not they're obviously a good team. They beat Iowa and we know Iowa's offense sucks. But to me, Michigan State should be a bigger favorite over the Purdue Boilermakers who have as I mentioned had a decent year. They're five and three. I mentioned that they beat Iowa, which, you know, that was impressive in its own right. They lost to Notre Dame by 14 on the road. That wasn't terrible. You know, they beat, you know, they lost to Minnesota by a touchdown. They barely beat Illinois. They, you know, beat Yukon and Oregon State. Both those teams suck. They lost to Wisconsin by 17. And then they just had a nice win at Nebraska. I mean, it's almost it's all over, but the writing and the shouting for Scott Frost at Nebraska, they're going to fire that guy. And that was just another nail in the coffin. But that was a nice win on the road, 28 23. I mean, they've got some nice pieces. I like uh, their quarterback, O'Connell. He's thrown for almost 1,600 yards. They got King Duray, the running back, and David Bell, the receiver. There's some talent there on defense as well. But Michigan State, and we're going to get into the, the first edition of the CFP rankings in just a minute here, they are ranked really, really high. I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't really tease this because most of you probably know. Michigan State's ranked three in the college football playoff rankings. And they are a three-point favorite over Purdue. Something stinks to high heaven here. And while in so many different Michigan State situations, they would lose this, this kind of game, whether you want to go back to the Bobby Williams era or John L. Smith, or even sometimes during the Mike D'Antonio era. Mel Tucker's a new coach. It's his first full season. You got to give him the benefit of the doubt. This is a, a historically and a vintage, uh, you know, definition of a letdown game, especially the fact that it's on the road. But Michigan State should be more than a three-point road favorite against Purdue. Basically what Vegas is saying is that are you know, five to seven-point favorite, which I, I understand that, but they should be bigger than that. Purdue is not that good. The win over Iowa doesn't look that good. So, very interesting trap line. I am staying away from this game. I might throw some cash on the Michigan State money line. But as far as the point spread's concerned, I don't like it at all. I can see this being a one- or two-point win or a three-point win. Obviously, we know three and seven are key numbers in college and pro football. But the money line at minus 157 is what I'm looking at. I don't like the total at 54 right now at Bent Rivers. The money line, by the way, for Purdue is plus 125. Total, 54 over minus 108 and the under minus 113. I'm not touching any of that. I might I might make a play on the Michigan State money. Like I think they're going to win this game. But this is historically where they would lose. And that's why I think you got a line here. And, you know, me and my, my great producer, Steve, and the S-Man, we were having some really good debates about, you know, different rankings. And, and I'm going to get into the couch ball playoff rankings in a minute. But I'm not saying that SP Plus is the end-all, be-all. But I really, really think that SP Plus – which is done by a guy from Football Outsiders on ESPN now, Bill Connolly. I've talked about this a lot on the show. It's really a great, I think, indicator and and metric of where teams are at. It's kind of like a real-time thing. He defines it as it's a tempo and opponent adjusted measure of college football efficiency. And for example, I mean, Stephen had brought up that Clemson's number four. Michigan's five. Michigan State is 14, even after Michigan State beat the Wolverines. And you look at like where a team like Purdue would be. And they're way further down, uh, you know, from where Michigan State is. But Michigan State, for they're 46 Purdue. They have a 7.3. I don't want to get into the minutiae net right now of what goes into this. But I, I kind of laid it out for you with that, that statement that Connolly makes. Tempo and opponent adjusted measure of college ball efficiency. It just kind of keeps things going. It's, it intended to be predictive and forward-facing as opposed to looking backwards and, and not, you know, putting into account what's going on in real time. Michigan State's number at 14 is a 15.7. Purdue's number at at 46 is a 7.3. Eight points better as far as these rankings go. And as I mentioned, and they're not always right, but these are a pretty good indicator of what these teams are. So to me, it really is a very interesting line. And we'll continue to monitor that uh, throughout the week right now. Bent Rivers... Michigan State minus three minus one twelve. Purdue plus three minus one oh nine. And then Michigan. I'll be out there at the big house. Obviously, not nearly as excited as I was last week, but it is a night game, and I, I eat up the night games. I mean, I'm a sucker. Uh, this line actually has had some movement. There's been some public and sharp movement on both Indiana in this game. It was open around 19, 19 and a half, went up to 20, and now it's back down to 18 and a half for the Wolverines minus 18 and a half, minus 109 plus 18 and a half for Indiana minus 112 the buddy line Michigan minus uh, 1250 plus 700 7 to 1 for the huger daddies and the total 50 and a half it's kind of sat there all week both sides minus 110 In this Indiana team you know they're not even close to what people thought they were going to be this year so this is not a good Indiana team Michigan should roll them i mean you look at what Indiana was looked at before the season started, and, you know, they were looked at as a team that could maybe do some damage in the Big Ten, and early on, and we knew when, when Indiana's quarterback got hurt, that things were going to be much different, I mean, this is a team right now that's 0-5 in conference, and 2-6 and overall, uh, this should be a romp for Michigan, but, they might have a hangover after that loss. And Penix Jr., you know, has been banged up much of the year uh, off and on. That's been been tough. And Stephen Carr, they do have a solid running back. They do have some nice pieces on the front seven on defense. But they just don't have what people thought they were going to have this year. And, and Michigan should win that at a row. There's no chance I am laying the 18 and a half. That's for sure. So right now when I look at it, I think you look at that total. And the total is something that I'm interested in. Because I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. I think Michigan's going to be angry. They're going to, you know, throw the ball a lot. I think they should be able to run all over Indiana. Indiana can score some points late. Uh, You know, this is something that we've talked about on the show in the past. And I want to kind of reemphasize this. If you are taking a favorite and laying the points and you've got kind of a, I don't want to say this is a huge total. But if you're taking a favorite and laying like a 15 or a 20 or a 25, a lot of times you would lean under because you're thinking that the the opposing team is not going to score much. If you're taking an underdog plus 15, 18, 20, 25, you want to lead on the over. This is one of those rare games to me that even though I think Michigan is the kind of team, based on what they are compared to Indiana, that they should roll them, but that you have all the factors of the hangover and all that other stuff too. I am actually leaning on the over in this game. I think Michigan could score in the 40s, and then all you need for is 10 to 14 from Indiana. But just for future reference, and I'll, I'll keep, you know, as we do on this show, that's the whole point of it, to help you be smart about betting and make money and all that kind of stuff. It's a good rule of thumb that if you're leaning on a big favorite, unless the, you know, the, the total is like 38 or something crazy, you know, obviously this is all based on a case-by-case scenario, you want to lean on taking the under. Because you're thinking that team's going to win big and the opponent's not going to score much. If you're taking a big underdog, you want to lean on the over. But in this case, I'm going against that kind of metric that we, 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 we often would go with. And I think this, the over is a decent play in this game. I'm not touching the point spread. Believe you me. And then, of course, the Lions on a bye. We'll have some fun with uh, the Lions' remaining schedule coming up on Football Friday. But Bet Rivers does have, you know, <laughs> this is so ridiculous Chris Lines are 0 8 on the buy, and their win total this year was anywhere between four and five. I, pre- I picked them to go four and 13, which for me is you know a lot because I normally am, am a little too high on the line sometimes. If I think they should win, you know, if, if maybe their their legitimate number is eight or nine wins, I'd say nine or ten, or you know seven or eight wins, I'd say eight or nine. I've been I, during the Colburn era, I missed one game. I was off in four seasons. I was off by one win, so I've been pretty good at that. But during the Patricia era, I was terrible, and the win total this year didn't really matter as far as wins and losses, but check out what it is now at Bent Rivers. The Lions' win total is over one and a half, minus 150, under one and a half, plus 120. I think the Lions are going to get one win. Is it against the Bears on Thanksgiving? Is it against Atlanta later in the season? Is it against Minnesota now without Daniel Hunter, and Minnesota just so inconsistent in that game at Fort Field uh, as well? Maybe. But to to be minus one fifty to get to that second win when they only have one win and I think the, the wheels might be coming off the train after what we saw against the the Eagles and that disgusting forty one to nothing lead at one point for the Lions lost forty four to six I mean it's, I can't believe I'm saying this but there actually is some value on the under one and a half the under one and a half plus one twenty that's where I that's where I would lead right now I'm not gonna, I'm not going to bet that myself but if you just want to have some fun and be like eh hey, the Lions suck the under one and a half is is pro is the value, because this team probably wins one game, but even if they win two, I'm not laying one fifty. That's cray cray town, uh, but you could bet that game at Bet Rivers right now. That is a trip to the Motown betting window presented by our good friends at Bet Rivers. And I, I want to throw this into the mix here, as the CFP rankings have come out. We can see now for the first time what the committee is thinking. Uh, they came out on Tuesday night. And to no surprise, the Spartans had a very high ranking. They were ranked number three at eight and behind Alabama at seven and one, and Georgia at eight and at number one. Oregon, a little bit of a surprise, where they lost to the uh, they beat the Buckeyes earlier in the season, which was a huge win in Columbus. That was a play I gave you. I think it was was it plus fourteen. I gave you I gave you money line and the points in that one. But they did lose to Stanford. That's not a that's not a good loss. But they are ranked number four, and they in many obviously. In, control of their own destiny if they run the table and win the Pac-12 championship game. The Buckeyes at number five at 7-1. and one. Of course, they play Michigan State and they play uh, the Wolverines uh, in the remaining games this season. They barely hung on and beat Penn State. That was another play I gave out for you, plus 18 and a half. The Lions almost won that game. But then the, the, the big situation here is, is Cincinnati. Cincinnati, who, yes, we know they're a group of five teams. We know that it's going to be tough for them to get in based on their strength of schedule and the fact they've struggled the last couple of weeks against Navy on the road and Tulane. Well, they beat Tulane 31-12, to 12, but they were, like 35-point favorites, and Tulane's terrible. They don't have a great schedule, but all you could do is play your schedule. And earlier this year, I mean, they, they beat Indiana on the road, and Indiana we know isn't that great. You know, they murdered uh, Murray State and Miami of Ohio. They beat Notre Dame on the road, you know, that was a huge win, one of the better wins by any team in college football this year. You know, they, they waxed Temple, they destroyed UCF, and they've got Tulsa, uh, South Florida, SMU, and ECU left on that schedule, but they're six, and they're behind two, I'm sorry, three one-loss teams in obviously power five teams in Oregon, Ohio State, and Bama. So it's going to be something to, interesting to watch with what happens with Cincinnati, because if they go undefeated and win the AAC title game, I mean, I think they should be in. I think they are good enough. I mean, I know that some people will will say that Desmond uh, Ritter, the quarterback, is overrated. I love him. I mean, yeah, he's been inconsistent at times. Uh, Jerome Ford almost has a, the running back is almost a thousand yards right now. I mean, that, Luke Fickle's a great coach. I just, that's the cost of doing business this day, these days, in the, you know, non-group of five conferences and the power five conferences. We should have at least an 18 playoff. It looks like we're going to get that. It might even be 12. But if you had an 18 playoff with how there's a lot more parity, and yes, there's only a few teams at the top like there's been for years with the Georgias and the Bamas and the Clemson of the world and the Ohio States, but you've got a lot of other teams, the Baylors, the Notre Dame's, the Wake Forests, the Michigans, the Oklahomas, et cetera, et cetera, Cincinnati, you need an 18 playoff. And obviously, hopefully we're going to get that in the coming years. And then, of course, after Cincinnati, Michigan, number seven, seven and one. And I want to get back quickly here to the SP uh, Plus rankings. Michigan, number five, as I mentioned, 20.8 is their rating. For an example, Ohio State's 29.8. They're number one. Georgia's 29.1. They're number two. Bama is third at 26.7. Clemson, which Stephen, my producer, has a big problem with. But metrically, Clemson's still a good team and they're five and three. They're 21.1 and then Michigan's right there at 20.8. And you look at Michigan State, who's three in the CFP, but they're 14 in this SP plus ranking at a 15.7. That's why they're only a three-point favorite over Purdue. That's why, I mean, the committee's obviously respecting them, and, and especially the win over Michigan. But that's what's going on with the, you know, kind of the, the little brother disrespect, which if you know me and you've heard my shows and you've interacted with me on social media, I've given Michigan State a ton of praise. It, it kills me to do it. But I wouldn't be doing my job or being fair if I didn't. I was at the game on Saturday, and believe me, I thought Michigan, when they were up 30-14, was going to roll them. The fact that Smarty came back and did it the way they did and has done it with all these transfers, 41 new players on the team, Mel Tucker has been incredible. But to have them at 14 in the SP+, plus is crazy. And, I, and It almost sounds like I'm knocking a ranking system that I like. I'm not, but I think that, that in a way... And we'll see what happens going forward when Michigan State plays Ohio State. um, And Penn State, maybe they're just not as good as people think they are. And a lot of my Michigan State friends, you know, both in media and out of media in the last few days since the game have told me, listen, awesome freaking win. We own you, blah, blah, blah. We have fun trolling each other. But I don't feel great about us. I don't feel, you know, confident that we're going to be able to go to the Big Ten title game and beat Ohio State and beat Penn State and all that stuff. and. You know, you look at the odds right now, the futures at Bent Rivers, Ohio State's just become a bigger and bigger favorite in the last couple of weeks. They're minus 286, and as they should be. They are clearly, in my opinion, the best team in the Big Ten right now. Right now. Wisconsin, with the way they've moved up in the West after all, Iowa just completely, you know, has been a disaster in recent weeks. There's the second favorite at 5-1. Michigan State's the third favorite at 6-1. Minnesota. Is the fourth favorite at 10 to 1. And then you got Michigan, uh, the fifth favorite at 14 to 1. Penn State all the way down there at 500 to 1 because they're out. I mean, I think they can still play spoiler, but they're not going to do anything. Purdue at 50 to 1 and Iowa at 40 to 1. But it's interesting to see like a team like Minnesota with better odds than Michigan. And that's because Minnesota can come out of the West and obviously stay with Wisconsin and beat the Ohio State or Michigan State Eastern champion. Uh, for Michigan, it's tough because they got to run the table and beat Ohio State, which under Jim Harbaugh they have yet to do. And by the way, if you're listening to this show, hopefully you listen to all the shows. But if you missed my Manic Monday show, I ranked the top ten games in, in as far as importance goes, in my opinion, in the Harbaugh era. And in my opinion, they're all losses. So please check that out if you've yet to hear that yet. Uh, but yeah, you, you look at the CFP rankings right now, and Michigan—they run the table, as I, I said—they're in. They run the table and, and win the Big Ten title game. They will be in the playoff. Michigan State's got two very tricky games. Well, actually, make that three. Make that three because Michigan State has got to play on the road at Purdue. They'll have a home game against Maryland, which they should win fairly easily. I mean, they do have two his brother playing, and Maryland's kind of just gone their the, the completely wrong direction where everyone thought they were going to be a really tough team. But they're still talented. There's still talent there. And then they got to play on the road at Ohio State and in back-to-back weeks, home Penn State. So, I mean, the the percentage chance of them, Michigan State, as good as they played, running the table, are they running out of their, their nine lives? Is this the way they're going to be all season long? Are they, are they truly a great team? We're going to obviously find that out, but they've got a pretty tough road to hoe. I mean, to be honest, Michigan, if you're a Michigan fan, I think that Michigan's got a better chance of running the table than Michigan State does based on, The games left that Michigan has. I think Michigan State right now clearly is the better team. They beat Michigan. I can't say they're not. I'm not going to say, oh, they got lucky in the raps and the reviews. Yeah, those are all valid points in certain ways. But they won the game. And I'm not going to take that away from Michigan State. Right now, the Spartans are a better team than the Wolverines. And obviously, rankings-wise, they of course are. They're ranked three in the CFP. And they'd they'd be scheduled to play Alabama again. And hopefully not lose 38 to nothing. But so... If you look at both their schedules, I, I think Michigan clearly has the easier path to run the table, but they also have a loss to Michigan State, because Michigan gets an Indiana team under the likes of the Big House. They should roll them. Yes, they have to play on the road against Penn State, but that comes not in a back-to-back week with the Buckeyes like the Spartans have. At Maryland, Michigan should win that easily, and then they get to host the Buckeyes. It's it's close. I think Michigan has the easier path there, so that's something to... to ponder and look at if you're both a Michigan or Michigan State fan. It's going to be a very interesting final four weeks of the regular season and that's, that's all we, we want. That's all we can hope for as college football fans to have not just one but both teams relevant for both the Big Ten title game and the CFP and lots to be out there uh, to be for the taking, whether it's massive upsets or huge wins. I mean, that's going to be a lot of fun going forward. By the way, the rest of the top ten, if you didn't see it, Oklahoma number eight, Wake Forest, who I love at 8-0. Uh, is number 9, and Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, at number 10. All right, I want to make a point about Cade Cunningham that I'm hearing from a lot of Pistons fans. I don't want to say a lot, but I'm hearing from too many, uh, and it's kind of frustrating me. We'll get to that coming right up. Must be 21. Playable in Michigan only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-270-7117. The Visa Midseason Football Special is here. Put the Visa betting experts to work for you from now through February for only $99. Daily best bet emails, 24/7 video streaming, betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly, plus in-depth data and analysis on Visa.com. Sign up today at Visa.com/slash-subscribe and get everything we have to offer for the rest of the football season for only $99. That's vcin.com slash subscribe. Well, a couple quick hitters before I get into some Kate Cunningham talk. First on Aaron Rodgers, big news. Out for, you know, stay away from the team for 10 days with that positive COVID test, but then talked about, you know, using a homeopathic doctor. Did, they, did he fudge the rules? Did he go against what the... NFL and the NFLPA and their COVID protocols are, are all about, which, you know, could there be a penalty for that? Uh, I know Lions fans, they're not cheering that he has COVID, but if he broke the rules and that means he broke them when he was playing the Lions, are they going to, you know, forfeit that game? I doubt it. I mean, I'm sure it would be a fine, a fine situation for the Packers and probably for Rogers himself, but he's out and it's interesting as far as the betting angle goes. So the Chiefs, coming off that close shave win against the Giants. Kansas City just ain't right. I mean, you talk about a Super Bowl hangover. They have not been right since the Super Bowl when they went down to Tampa Brady. But they got the the win against the Bears, the Bears, against the G-Men, and they moved to 4-4. Four and four, They're third in the AFC West. You know, of course, the Packers 7-1. and one, And this line opened, it's, it's in Kansas City. It opened minus 2.5 for the, the Chiefs, and now it's up to 7.5. Is Aaron Rodgers worth five points? I mean... I think you have to look at that and say, yes, he's definitely one of the most valuable quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. And Tom Brady's even said that as far as the position of quarterbacking goes, he's better than I am. And if if Aaron Rodgers played for Bill Belichick and the Patriots like I did, he might have eight Super Bowl titles. But obviously a much different situation when you go from Aaron Rodgers and you have to go at Arrowhead and then Jordan Love who some Packers fans thought, hey, they're going to move on from Rodgers. Jordan Love's the future. But Rodgers being out, interesting five-point move. I mean, I'm not touching that game. Uh, I think if anything, you take the you can tease it on, on Kansas City or take the money line in a parlay, but there's no way I'm laying seven and a hook on KC or taking the Packers with Jordan Love uh, plus seven and a half. So that's an interesting uh, you know kind of angle on that as well. But we'll see what happens if there's any kind of penalties for Rodgers. I don't want to say fudging the numbers, but... Not following the protocols and going with a homeopathic doctor. I happen to know a very famous homeopathic doctor is a good friend of mine's father helped Jerry Garcia for all you Grateful Dead fans stay alive probably ten more years than he than he would have had he not seen my friend's uh, father. So I believe in that kind of medicine and I know it works for certain people. But I also believe in like regular medicine as well. My dad is a doctor and you got to follow what the NFL the NFLPA put together as far as their COVID protocols go. Other thing is kind of a, a very frustrating thing for me. Uh, A lot of you know that I'm 10 years sober, almost 11 in January, and I have no problem with people drinking or smoking pot, whatever. But I know for me, when I see these people getting in car accidents and getting DUIs and killing people, it drives me nuts because, especially like the Paris Hilton's of the world and other people that have driven when they were drunk, these people that have so much money, why would you not have a driver? I mean, I understand there's nothing like driving your own car sometimes. But why would you risk any of that? Get an Uber, get a driver. You have billions of dollars. And obviously, a lot of average people don't have the ability for that, but they shouldn't be getting in cars either. And Of course, I'm talking about this because Henry Ruggs drove his car 156 miles an hour, killed somebody, is lucky to be alive. I remember I got a text earlier from a friend of mine who's got a good auto engineer friend. It was giving all these crazy numbers about, you know, when he stopped the car and how many milliseconds there were, and how lucky he was to you know, not have his head severed and, and it just not to get too gross here. But Ruggs is twenty-two. He was twice the legal limit, uh, based on the reports for Nevada's legal limit, which I think is a little more generous than some other states, and killed a 23-year-old woman, immediately was, was cut by the 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 Raiders, which is sad because this guy's got a ton of talent. It reminds me a lot of Josh Gordon who was more on the drug side like I was and He's with the Chiefs now. Hopefully, his fourth chance works out. And I'm all about second, third chances if you deserve them. But just don't drive drunk. And, you know, this is going to be, this is going to ruin Henry Ruggs' life. It's going to ruin his ability to to live a dream. And hopefully, he finds a way to recover from this. But boy, really, really bad situation with Henry Ruggs III and killed somebody. Absolutely killed somebody. You don't get in the car and drive 156 miles an hour. And my producer just points out, the, the great uh, S-man, that the NFLPA has a program to get him and other players designated drivers. It just furthers my point of why would you, just why? I know some of these guys, it's like, you know, the machismo and, you know, trying to like pump their chest out and look at my Maserati, I can go 180. I mean, it's not the freaking Autobahn. To have the thing in place, to have a designated driver, or you know, having all the money. I mean, Ruggs, you know, was making pretty decent money. I know he's on a rookie deal. Um, now most of that money's going to this bail was set at a million dollars. One million dollars. The judge rejected the prosecutor's request, or I'm sorry, they, they rejected the request. Set at one million. They set at one fifty, but there could be some more stuff coming, and. They'll up it, but he's got the money to pay for that. It's just enough. Don't drive drunk. Use the resources you have. And if he did, and obviously it seems like he was racing, or maybe he was racing, but a 23-year-old woman that was completely innocent would not be dead. And a lot of times, when whether you know these silly athletes um, are racing or not, that's when some of these people get killed when even though they're driving home from a night out or a strip club or whatever it is and going the regular speed limit or even under it and they kill somebody or they, I'm trying to, I'm forgetting his name right now, the the guy in Miami, the dolphin. I mean, it's just terrible. So I just want to throw it out there again. I know a lot of you that listen to my various shows and have for years know I will always talk about this kind of stuff. It's, I'm not going to just like belittle people that do this, these things. But because the key is, understanding that there's a lot of people that need help. And and substance abuse whether alcohol or drugs or otherwise is a major problem in this country, especially opioids, which is I had a problem with. And I will always speak that truth and try to help inspire people and help people know they're not alone. But what Henry Ruggs the 3rd did and I know he's young, not not that it makes it okay, but what he did is unacceptable. I mean, getting in a car is one thing. That's terrible. Going 156 miles an hour in a freaking Corvette is another level. So, while well, I'm, I'm disgusted with Henry Ruggs III, I hope he gets through this and gets the help he needs. And unfortunately, he's going to be regretful the rest of his life that he killed somebody. Terrible. All right, I, it's a tough transition from that <laughs> to just kind of harping on people that are giving Cade Cunningham some crap. I was in the Pistons game last night. Cade Cunningham was terrible. He's just, you know, only a second game. He scored two points in each. It's just been really bad. Uh... And I'm just hearing a lot of people saying that, not that they're saying he's a bust. Uh, it's That's not what I'm, I'm trying to harp on here. What I'm hearing is that people are saying that, you know, Cade Cunningham is not going to be that good right now. And, you know, did the Pistons make a mistake? Let's not be ridiculous. I mean, first off, the guy is obviously lacking of confidence. He did start until you know, several games in. He's a young kid with the world the shoulder, you know, the, the the world on his shoulders. He obviously isn't trusting himself. You know, there's just a massive uh, I'm sorry, he scored six points in the end. He scored two in his first game. He was two of fourteen was Cunningham, oh a nine for three point land. It's gonna take some time for this guy. Maybe he shouldn't be playing right now. I know the Pistons want to sell tickets I know that he wants to get out there, but you can tell, and I was watching him last night, even in warm-ups, just he looked tentative, looked anxious, and this is a real confident guy that is going to be the future for the Pistons. So it's, it's very few of you, but some of these Pistons fans that are being disrespectful and, and not like understanding that A, it's going to take some time anyway, but B, this guy is not right. And I'm not, I'm not one to say he shouldn't be playing. I mean, I don't think the Pistons would have him out there if he shouldn't be playing. But it's going to take him a while. He wasn't able to to really, you know, practice for a month. I know he was, you know, reportedly doing, you know, lots of shooting drills, which is great. But you can tell he's not right. You got to back off on that. This Pistons rebuild is a process. I think he's going to be an incredible player for this team. But to start, like, kind of ripping Cade Cunningham, that's not the kind of fans I think we need to be right now. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm not, like, super angry. Uh, Those of you know that I'm someone that is very... You know, I'm a positive guy, I'm an optimistic guy, but you have to comment on things and, and be critical and negative sometimes when, it, when it's warranted. This is not that situation. He's played two games of his brand-new young NBA career, overall number one pick. I think he's going to be a dynamo for this team. He's just got to get himself right, and that's going to take some time. Maybe that means not playing much over the next couple of months, uh, whatever it ends up being, until he can get through uh, the injury. All right, that is going to do it for us today. we got a big Football Friday show planned for you. I'm going to go game by game and give you what I think the point spread should be for the rest of the Lions' remaining games, and we'll see if I think they're going to go 0-17. Spoiler alert, I don't think so. But it's going to be tough to find one win on that schedule. And right now, as I mentioned, at Bet Rivers, you got that over 1.5 Lions win total, minus 150, under 1.5, plus 120. Really interesting. To see the numbers change on that when the initial win total was between 4 and 5. So we'll get into all of that. My sizzling picks as well. Thanks again to all of you for listening. My great producer, Steven the S-Man. Without him, I'm nothing. He's a, he's a damn saint, the guy. A saint. And we will see you next time on the Detroit Cast. Until then, keep reaching for the stars. Believe in the dream. Dan Leach, out. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff died back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.